Hello, this is Brother Jim Ellis, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages here on in Dispensational Ministries podcast. This will be the fifth volume in our series of messages concerning character traits, traits which are indispensable words of wisdom contained in the Word of God, character traits that God has given to us as necessary traits for living and advancing in our Christian lives in this age of the grace of God. In order to begin instilling these traits in our children, it'd be a good idea to begin to devise various means and methods which will instill those traits into a child. I think it's a good idea to give them certain tasks, responsibilities, chores, small jobs, some responsibilities that they and they alone are responsible for making sure get done. Perhaps you could give them a certain sum of money and keep track how they use that money. Give them an allowance and encourage them to perhaps save small amounts of the money that you give them for future needs. Check over time how they manage those responsibilities. I think curfews are good methods for instilling many of these traits. Coming home at a certain time, if or when you allow them to spend time at another friend's house. Curfews for going to bed at certain times and getting up at specific times in the morning to get ready to go to school or whatever activities are planned for that day. If you'll give some thought to these, I'm sure you can begin to imagine ways to instill each trait inside your child according to his or her own level of maturity. You see, children need order. They need structure, regularity, arrangement, and boundaries in their lives. A disordered life, cluttered lives, lives filled with uncertainty, Unstructured living never produce grounded, stable, and secure adults. While attempting to instill these traits in our children, we most assuredly need to make sure that they see these traits manifested in our daily lives and practice. Children learn from their parents. They will mimic what they see done by their parents. A parent is the very best example of character a child can have. If parents are not their examples, someone else will most certainly be. And that someone else may not instill the traits in them that we want them to have and we desire for them to have. Paul often speaks in his epistles about examining ourselves. It's a wise thing for us to do. Just take some time to stop and Take a look at ourselves and see where we are lacking in character or maybe the practice of these character traits. None of us are perfect and all of us can benefit from some self-examination from time to time in the truth of the Word of God. No one is always going to do everything right and perfect all the time. We are sinners. And as sinners, we're never going to get everything right. If we could be perfect, then there'd be no need of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. 
Many of these traits of character are centered in our personal responsibilities, both as Christians and adult human beings. We have entered a period of time, or maybe even a crisis, where the trait of personal responsibility is severely lacking in our society. Taking personal responsibility for our actions, our situations of life, our choices in life is vital to an a child's proper maturity in the adulthood. Learning the value of taking personal responsibility for ourselves, the things our God and Creator expects of us, the consequences of our actions, understanding that the most of the situations of life that we find ourselves in come to us as a consequence of our choices in life. Blaming whoever or whatever for our problems and situations in life is going to do very little for resolving the adverse situations that we sometimes find ourselves in. But the character traits in this study will not only teach a young person how to handle and solve those adverse situations, they can most often teach them how to keep these problems from ever becoming a problem in the first place. And as I've said before in these studies, these are just not traits that children need to have. These are also traits for you and me, traits as adults, traits for living our life well-pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convinced that the very best thing a parent can leave behind to the future generations of mankind is an adult raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. A child who grows to adulthood and orders their lives according to the wisdom and truth of the Word of God. In the Bible, there was a Jewish king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah had a son named Manasseh. Hezekiah was for the most part a good godly king in Judah who ruled over the Jews in Judea. He did some very great things for the people while he was king. He restored the worship of the one true living God to many portions of the land. But when he died, he turned the throne over to his son Manasseh. Manasseh became the very worst king Judah ever had. He ruled for 55 years. And those 55 years brought great evil to the nation of Judah and the Jews. It was said that he caused blood to run like a river in the holy city of Jerusalem because of his evil ways. King Hezekiah, as I said, did some great things while he was king, but he lacked one great thing. You see, the greatest matter he could have ever left and done for the people of Judea, was to leave them a son who ruled Judah in righteousness and the character of God that he demands of every man. But instead, he left them a dark, vile, and ruthless king who brought death and destruction to many in that kingdom by his evil, evil ways. We'll begin now in the fourth of these character traits, we covered the first three in the last study. The fourth trait is that of self-sufficiency. This 
trait implies that we're going to have to be self-sufficient. And if we're going to become self-sufficient, we must become learned and skilled in whatever a person chooses to do in life. No one is born knowing all they need to know. No one is born knowing everything that they need to know about life and the matters of life, being able to discern future matters from past histories of life. Knowledge comes from experience, and experience over time will help a person gain more knowledge. Every person born of woman must have periods in their life to where they are taught and where they learn about the necessities of living life in this body of flesh. Before we attempt to do something, it's always, always wise to make sure we know what we are going to do and then learn beforehand the very best ways to do it. No one will ever reach any level of self-sufficiency unless they learn how to be self-sufficient in their own personal abilities. It's a universal trait in children. It it just is from birth. That at some point in their lives, they become convinced that they know far more than their parents and that they know all there is to know about life. It's just a natural born trait of children. Yes, some extra strong-willed children have this trait to a greater degree than other children, but they all, to some degree, are cursed with the trait of the sin nature that we are all born with. The problem is children do not live long enough to know what they do not know, or even that they do not know it. They have lived long enough or have not lived long enough to realize the limitations of their limited knowledge and understanding of the world that they were born into. It is the parent's responsibility to help the child understand those limitations. Many parents have children under the misconception that raising children is going to be easy and all fun and games. Problem is, children are not puppies that you can play with for a while and then put them back in their cage when you're too tired to play with them. Children require 24-7 attention, training, and oversight, and parenting is not a part-time job. I don't mean to be mean-spirited, but I, I sometimes wonder what some parents were thinking when they decided to have children. Some act as if they're about to adopt a puppy, and when they bring it home and it begins to use the bathroom on their floor, they're ready to take it back to the kennel. Parenting, parenting is very, very hard and it consists of a lifetime of hard work. It is the greatest of all responsibilities any person can take on. It is a lifetime commitment of hard work. Children do not turn into responsible and well-rounded and firmly grounded adults on their own. They just do not. Children require 24-hour supervision, training, and an unreserved commitment on the part of the parents. Now, no parent's ever going to get it right every time. Maybe we'll get it right fewer times than, or get it wrong fewer times than we get it right. We all make mistakes, and some of us make more than our share. 
But that is no excuse for giving up and putting off our God-given responsibilities to someone or something else. You see, in our age, TVs, radios, video games, recreational activities have become substitutes for parenting responsibilities. Far too many children are being bought off by their parents with the modern-day electric or electronic games and sources of entertainment. Johnny, just go play one of your video games. I'm too tired to deal with you right now. The result is the children are being taught and molded by artificial sources and not the parent. Yes, children can be stressful and some strong-willed children can often be nerve-wracking in all honesty. But when that child was born to you, He or she became your own personal responsibility and not Disney worlds or big birds. I don't mean that children should not be encouraged to find ways to entertain themselves, being able to play alone at times and find ways to occupy their time on their own. It's a good tool for teaching self-sufficiency. But at the same time, Alone time for that child should not be an excuse for abusing or advocating one's parental responsibilities. As in everything in life, moderation is often the main ingredient to success, and that can be true in everything we do. One of the traits in this study is perseverance. If any endeavor in life ever required this particular character trait of perseverance is parity. In fact, most of the traits in this study are necessary traits a parent must have and employ if they're going to be successful parents. Well, back to this particular trait of self-sufficiency. It's it's never a wise matter to live our lives having to be dependent on others to do for us what we should be able to do for ourselves. It's good to teach our children ourselves to share our life with others. But do not be so weak and insecure in life that we cannot do for ourselves the things that we should be doing for ourselves. Being strong in our own abilities, learning the skills necessary for living and advancing and surviving in this life are main ingredients to self-sufficiency. The fifth in this study is self-control. Keeping one's own emotions and actions under control. Our words, our actions, our general behavior, our thoughts and overall practices of life. Just because we may want or desire to react a certain way when we are offended does not mean that we should or it's wise to. One of the basic tenets of self-control is learning how to best react to others when Offenses in life come to us when we are provoked to anger. Anger and wrath is seldom the best response. It's never a good idea to become hostage to our lust of the flesh. Learning how to say no to the adverse matters and temptations of life. Learning how to control one's own emotions, own lust and desires of the flesh. Never becoming hostage or addicted to something which would control us and our actions more than we control ourselves. 
like things as alcohol or drugs. For a few short years in my early life, I worked for a law enforcement agency as a police officer. It was very common throughout the week to get a call where someone had passed out in the bathroom or on some sidewalk or street corner because they had had too much to drink or had taken some drugs. Those passed out people were 100% at the mercy of anyone who would want to take advantage of them. I'd often find them laying on the floor or the sidewalk, passed out completely, oblivious to anything going on around them. They were in danger of becoming prey to anyone or anything who might come along and take advantage of them. They had allowed some outside source to take control of them. They were just not under the influence. They were under his complete control and domination for a time. They had lost all self-control over themselves. It is never, never right to allow ourselves to be placed in a situation to where we are not in control of our faculties. Never become under the influence of something, whether it's drugs or alcohol or another person or anything else for that matter that would take control of our normal faculties, our ability to defend ourselves, or lessen our abilities to reason properly and make good, right, sound decisions, judgments, and choices in life. The Bible speaks against acts and actions of wrath. Wrath is a form of losing one's self-control. Wrathful behavior lashes out at others from often instant anger, either through physical violence or many times in our speech. Self-control. If adapted and adopted into our everyday habit and pattern of life, will help keep us from those acts of violence and saying things in the heat of anger that would be hurtful and harmful to others. Words of anger can do a great deal of harm sometimes more so than acts of violence. I've heard some people say, well, I get mad and I lose my temper and blow up. Then I'm over it. Well, yeah, so is a shotgun blast. It's over with in just a moment of time, but it leaves a mighty big hole. So do the wrong words in the heat of anger. Self-control. Number six is self-respect. Now, self-respect doesn't mean that we have an inflated ego and that we're consumed with pride or thinking more of ourselves than we ought to think, as the Bible says. This is a realization of our own personal self-worth and self-respect. I think it's becoming more and more common for people to have no sense of self-worth and value. There seems to be a kind of gloom of despair in the hearts and minds of many men and women. And that gloom of despair is causing them to believe themselves to be worthless. This sense of worthlessness brings depression and all manner of emotional despair. The emotional despair can and will bring some severe consequences to men's and women's lives. The rise of drug abuse and alcohol use and 
consumption in America can both be a result of this lack of self-worth, but it can also cause a, in and of itself, cause a lack of self-respect. You know, I've seen situations come about and I've had to ask many times, why would any self-respecting person put themselves through such an ordeal? People will many times do things which are obviously detrimental to themselves and say things that are so blatantly foolish because they have no sense of self-worth and no self-respect. My friend, no one before God is of no value. The Lord Jesus Christ died for all of us. His will is for every one of us to spend eternity in heaven with Him. When He said, God so loved the world, He meant that in all truthfulness. If you were inherently worthless before Him, He would not have done, He would not have went through what He did on Calvary's cross for us. The Lord Jesus Christ would not have willingly laid down His life for you and me if he did not consider us to have a self-worth. There's often a fine line between a sense of worthlessness and people who truly think more of themselves than they ought to think. The great equalizer between the two extremes is the truth of the Word of God and our knowledge of that truth. Once again, there is a fine line of moderation between self-respect and raising a child to think more of themselves than they ought to think and raising a child who is selfish, self-centered and feels entitled to be dealt with special above all others. The seventh is this, it's a simple word, dignity. Being worthy of respect and honor maintaining a certain self-order of life. It has to do with the way we act and react to various aspects of life and our overall general demeanor or habits or speech, the words that we use and the overall and in general manners of life. While we should always extend our general respect to everyone, there's a special honor and a And a respect that should be due to those men and women who conduct their lives with honor and dignity. Dignity. The opposite of dignity would be words like crass. It's not an often used word, C-R-A-S-S. It means having or showing no understanding of what is proper or acceptable. Maybe being rude and insensitive or crude, undignified, Classless, graceless, uncouth, untasteful, uncultivated, unrefined. Dignity. Dignity. That was number seven. Number eight is a character trait we identify as initiative. This is the opposite of kind of like just waiting around for someone else to do something that we should be doing for ourselves taking advantage of opportunities while those opportunities are present. Initiative. Being the leader of our own lives in the Lord Jesus Christ and from the Word of God. 
taking charge of our lives and our decisions in life, taking advantage of the godly wisdom from the Bible, and make our decisions and choices in life based in the godly wisdom from the Word of God. Not allowing outside influences or opinions of others to cause you to stray or abandon your Bible principles in the Lord Jesus Christ. Initiative. It's not a word that you want to associate with being excluded from the submission to the will and standards of God. All of these character traits always have to be tempered in and with the truth of the Bible in conjunction with the will of God. The ninth character trait is that of resourcefulness. Learn how to think through problems that person will have and learn how to solve those problems on our own. Great sums of money are paid to men and women who are able to see the solution to problems that many or most others are just not able to see. Problem solvers are resourceful men and women. When other people do not think or believe there is a solution to a problem, then Resourcefulness will help us to be the person who figures out how to solve the problems and fix those problems that other people cannot know how to fix. Be a problem solver throughout your life. When there seems to be no way to do something, find a way to get it done. More often than not, there is a way to get it done. There's an old saying that tells us to be the solution to the problem and not the problem itself. Resourcefulness. Inventiveness, number 10. It kind of goes with the one before this, thinking of creative ways to solve problems. The ability to think through problems and situations of life is rapidly becoming a lost trait and ability. Inventiveness. Number 11, creativity. This trait will help a person in, in, in many different ways throughout a lifetime. Sometimes it's good to use our imaginations to try and figure out how to do certain things well in life. It means basically how to be able to do things in new and sometimes unusual ways, but good ways, ways that are commensurate with the truth of the Word of God. Some of the most beneficial inventions of our age have come from men and women who were creative and found ways to create or make things happen. Then number 12, planning. Never do something without first, and this is so critical, never attempt and start out trying to do something without first thinking about it and then deciding what is the best way to do it. Think ahead. Make plans for the future. It's always wise to make plans for everything you are going to do in life. There are far too many generations of men and women alive now who just float through life, never making any plans or giving any consideration to future matters, jumping in and doing things without first giving full thought to the consequences of their actions. It's always, always a good thing to think through problems and situations of life before we 
attempt to solve them. It's always a good thing to think about the consequences of our decisions before we act on our decisions. It's just never a good thing to go through life, living life on a whim, trying not to do important things from whimsical moments that will come into our lives. How many times, how many times have we heard it said when someone did something that turned out to be foolish because of their foolish decisions? Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time because it did not stop the plan and think through what they were doing. Now, we make our plans. But don't let ourselves become discouraged if and when our best plans do not work out like we've planned them to work out. Even when we make the best of plans, we cannot predict the future. So we have to learn to adapt when things do not turn out the way we thought they would or planned for them to turn out. Remember these next few words. Adapt, improvise, overcome, and then continue on. Many times our best made plans will not work out like we thought they would. When they do not, what do we do then? Well, we learn how to adjust our lives accordingly. And we make alternate, just-in-case, plans in advance. It's never a bad idea to have a plan B or maybe even sometimes a plan C if the situation calls for it. Sometimes we thought, or things that we thought would work out a certain way, they, they do not and will not always work out the way we thought they would. Sometimes... What is true and normal when we make our plans, sometimes those things change. One thing that is certain is life, that things will always change. And most times, we are powerless to see that change coming or predict that change. One key element to surviving change is the ability to adapt, to improvise, to overcome, and then continue on. Proper planning, it's been said, prevents poor future performance. Even though there are no guarantees that our plans will always work out the way we thought they would, if we fail to make plans, you can be assured that nothing's going to work out the way we hoped or wished they would. A friend of mine used to say, it's better to shoot at something and miss it than to shoot at nothing and hit it. Past Behaviors predictor of future actions. Financial institutions have devised a system for determining whether or not they're going to make a loan to a man or woman. It is called a credit rating. A person's credit rating reports how a particular person has repaid their debts in the past. When a financial institution looks at a person's credit report, and it shows that he or she was negligent in their past payment history, they assume he or she would either not repay the loan or at least be very negligent in repaying that loan. Experiences of life and experiences in life is one of our very best tools for predicting how matters would turn out in our future plans. Outside the Word of God, experience the experiences of others and our own experiences 
are our very best predictor of future events. Matters of history have a way of repeating themselves time and time again. Someone said, one thing we learn from history is that we seldom learn from history. Sadly, many of us never do. Many never learn from our past experiences and from history itself. It's very foolish to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Poor planning on our part is a very important reason why men and women get into trouble, whether it's in their finances or dozens of other situations and decisions of life. There is commonly used in Christian circles a word that describes our overall pattern and conduct the conduct of life. That word is testimony. It is often used to describe how a Christian has ordered their lives and whether or not their lives have been lived in accordance with the principles of the Word of God. It is usually rated as a good testimony or a bad testimony. Proverbs 20, verse 11 says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. The word testimony is pretty much the same thing as reputation. A good reputation for anyone, especially a child of God, is truly an invaluable, invaluable thing to have. Past behavior is predictor of future actions. Past behavior is more often than not can be laid at the feet of poor planning. We'll stop this one here and pick up number 13 in our next study. Thank you for listening. God bless you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.